But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did. A little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the 9 by 9 the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. My name is Rob, Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto. Uh, today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. This is episode 68. Everett, oh, this is it. Yeah, we're, we're close. Next week's going to be a big. <laughs> next week's going to be a big show for many reasons, but one of them is that this is it for the 2022 to 23 club volleyball season. This is it. This is literally the last week. There are three more matches left in all of club volleyball, and they are all this coming week. And on next week's show, that's it. But on this show as well, uh, it is championship week. We have a lot of hardware that has been won in the last seven days, and we have a lot that we want to get into. Yeah, absolutely. Big week. As you said, it's all done after this weekend with the Champions League finals going on uh, this weekend. We got one, la one last match in the Super Lego men's finals as well going down tomorrow. But we gave away a bunch of hardware this weekend. Uh, there was a lot to watch, a lot going on. It, it was awesome. And you know what, what, Rob, I'm excited about? We're very, very close to VNL. And we're very, very close to potentially getting another clip and another soundbite to start the show off where i'm not stammering <laughs> like a goddamn idiot uh yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, uh. just excited that he dropped the nine by nine <laughs> i never want to retire that brett walsh clip because of how organically it came up and like and the look on your face when he says it and you slowly turn around it's just the best everything up to that point is fantastic but then my answer is just like it's like if a girl asked me to prom for the first time in my life and I'm just like, uh, 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 yeah, you know, like uh, speaking just, from experience, I'm sure. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. <laughs> no, don't, almost made you do it again. Just there. Don't 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 play that game with me. But yeah, <laughs> Rob, it, it has been a fantastic week of watching volleyball. So let's just jump right into it. Let's start off with the leg of volley feminili. I know in the past that the Italian aficionados have told us that it's not a Scudetto, but they literally had Scudetto Feminili on the court. Yes, they so did. So we're going to call this a Scudetto. Five in a row for Canigliano. Um, it, was, it, it went down to the wire. It really did. They went the distance since we saw you guys last. We've had three matches. Great job for scheduling from the Lega Volley Feminili. Not so much on the men's side. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. Thursday was a five-set decision to Malonza. Saturday was a 3 nothing win for Canigliano to, at, at Monza to force uh, game number five. And then yesterday we saw an unbelievable match. Monza dominated for the first set and a half. And then my girl, everyone's favorite, give a round of applause for Alexa Gray for coming in and turning things around with an MVP performance. It was absolutely beautiful. Rob, where, where do you want to start on this one? Do you want to start back on Thursday or do you just want to just skip right to Monday? I think we, 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 can, we can talk a little bit about the previous two matches. I think you can summarize it in saying this was the hardest of all like the five titles in a row that Caneliano has now won. This was the hardest they've ever had to work to win one. And we really didn't think that that was going to be the case coming into the playoffs because they were pretty much untouchable all season. They were clearly the best team in the league. They breezed through the first two rounds of the playoffs. But 
all the credit in the world goes to Malonza for pushing them this hard. And Malonza legitimately had chances to win this series. I mean, grabbing game three on the road in, in five was was a stunner. They were one match away from from winning the Scudetto, from taking it away from Caneliano's claws. And uh, the first set, first set and a half, like you said, of the fifth match yesterday, I was thinking, oh my goodness, is this what we're going to be talking about on tomorrow's show? Like, are we going to talk about giving hardware away to Malonza after naming the figure it out of award of the week after them all year long? Have they finally figured it out at the most crucial time? And the answer ultimately was no, partly in due to this young lady right here. What a masterclass by Alexa Gray off the bench. 22 for 32 attacking above 60% efficiency, incredible passing numbers and ace and two blocks for 25 points in two and a half sets and a well-deserved MVP of match five Everett, your Canadian girl much maligned all season long has barely seen the court Mm -hmm. time to Mm -hmm. give her her flowers. I mean, there's, there's two things I want to talk about. Obviously Alexa Gray is the first one here. Um, It's very, I feel very vindicated right now because we had some stooges uh, in the Discord being like, oh, Alexa Gray should have gone to like a lower level Italian team or a lower level Turkey team where she could, you know, be the star. Do you guys not forget that she was like a top five scorer in the Super League Feminili the past two seasons playing for a top five team in, in Busto? Like she was that team alongside Camilla Mangardi. Like she has been, was carrying that team. And that's why she got this offer with Canigliano. Now, it's hard to criticize what Santorelli does in terms of his decisions, given how much success he's had of late, both of the professional side and on the international side. But I was always kind of questioning, you know, why don't you you flip it up? Why don't you switch it up a little bit? You're going always going with Plummer um, and Kelsey Robinson Cook. Why don't why don't you switch it up a little bit? You know, and she really didn't give the, get the chance until game number five. They subbed her in in the second set. Canigliano was down. The other, th- the other half that I want to talk about here is, is Jordan Thompson because she was absolutely phenomenal. I'm not entirely sure if Malonza in, 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 in its entirety figured it out or just Jordan Thompson because like the one game that she didn't play well, um, game number four, that was the one that Canigliano won easily three in zero. three. And yeah. she, got, she got hurt minorly. I think she went out in like the second set maybe of that fourth match with some kind of a thigh injury that they were talking about on the broadcast yesterday in game five but the word that came to mind for jordan thomas's performance was a warrior she was a warrior 77 attempts in four sets in in match five they were feeding it to her right and no one else like no one else was even in double digits for malonza uh, on the other side which across four sets isn't great and then you know larson had had nine points nine for 24 rafaela fully had nine points she did have five blocks ultimately it wasn't that good but man it was just so so like it felt so good to watch alexa just be absolutely automatic 12 points 12 points in that fourth set to to finish things off she was uh got 10 kills two blocks just absolutely automatic. They're feeding in the pipe. They're feeding on the outside. And it, you could just tell that there was, I wasn't called an entire, I wouldn't say it an entire year of frustration because I know that she dealt with some injuries at, at times and, you know, was completely out of the lineup and wasn't even dressed to play. But it, it just must have felt so good that when her team needed her the most, she was able to go out there and deliver. Because let's be honest, once again, in a clutch situation, when the, the trophy was on the line, Catherine Plummer wasn't able to, which 
is something that I've continued to talk about now for three seasons where Catholic Catherine Plummer does fantastic throughout 80, 90% of the season and then disappears in gut check time. Just like we saw last year in the, in the champions league finals uh, for Canigliano, but you know what massive, massive uh, match there from Alexa Gray, you know, Rob, you, you talked about it. She passed really well too. She did, you know, and she got targeted because everybody, everybody knows that part of the scouting report, as soon as she came on, she was getting targeted and she hung in there extremely well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she got targeted the most by anyone on Canigliano, 21 targets. She was 67% positive, 43% perfect. Outstanding. Outstanding. And I mean, that's the, that's the Alexa Gray. I know, right? Like that's, that's Alexa Gray. Uh, in a nutshell. Uh, so I also kind of wanted Canigliano to win. Once again, we've talked about this before. I love excellence and I love how this is five titles in a row for them. They've, they've just been absolutely fantastic. So big ups to them. What's going to be interesting to see how Malonza and what other superstars they go just pack on their team uh, moving forward. To next well, year. If, the if, rumor Everett is, is that uh, none other than Paula Egonu herself will be joining Malonza next year. It, uh, Vakif Bank even has confirmed that, uh, that Egonu will be leaving Vakif Bank after this year. It's only a matter of time until I think we hear that announcement officially. But I have a couple of more takes on this series that I want to get out there. I, I mean, associated with Alexa Gray, what we were talking about on last week's show and what we were what we were noticing was really the the key matchup and sort of the Achilles heel for both of these teams was the outside hitter position. And mm-hmm. the reason why I was kind of confused why it took so long to even give Alexa Gray a try is because Corneliano had four extremely capable outside hitters. They had two primary scoring outside hitters in Plummer and Gray and two primary like ball control L2 types in Kelsey Robinson and Alessia Gennari. So when Plummer is bad, which for a lot of the series she was, putting Janari in is not the answer. Then you have zero offensive presence on the left side, and you're chucking every ball that you used to bell hawk. You, you, that's why you have four good outside hitters and two of each distinct type. So I was a little confused as to why Gray didn't come in earlier, but maybe if she did, she might not have pulled this unbelievable performance in, in, in match five of the final. And to that same extent... Miriam Silla for Malonza against her former team was terrible. Terrible. Two for 20 with three errors. uh, Just, just, just bad. And just a complete non-factor. And Jordan Larson was fine. I mean, she's, she's the L2. That's her role on, on the Malonza team. She's not going to score you that many points. And of, of all times for, for Marco Gaspari of Malonza, to give his players a long leash, <laughs> which is the exact opposite of what he's been doing all season. The only time he gives them a leash that is too long is in match five of the final with their backs against the wall. And I just did not understand that. Sila was bad from the get-go and should have been changed out halfway through the first set. And 100%. she was allowed to continue for far too long, and it really hurt them. I think Gaspari got outcoached in this one. For sure. I, like, I, I, I truly did. There was no, like, it just seemed like they were rolling for it a set and a half. Canigliano made the change. They brought on Alexa Gray, and they were also bringing in um, someone in to, to, to pass for her uh, as well. Yeah, uh, they brought in Paracati a couple times. Yeah. She's the backup libero, so that they would do that so that they could put another foreigner in. It was, there, was, there was some math going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, it was basically, but, but, a, basically a DS. But yeah, basically, like that's that's them using their roster to the advantage. Yes. And at this point, you're down. It's game five. There's nothing left to lose. 
try to get Magdalena Stesiak in there. We know like she hasn't been fantastic on the left side at times, but man, throw her in there. As we said, Miriam Silla was not good whatsoever. Just figure out a way to get another arm in there because Jordan Thompson is getting tired, right? She basically... She was basically like, on one leg. <laughs> she was, yeah. she, she really she was, literally, and they still gave her 77 balls. Like, literally what 50%, 50% of the offense went, went, to, went, to, went to Jordan Thompson, right? She had 77 of 154. Yeah, right on the number. Right, wow. right, right on the number, 50%. <laughs> you need to put someone in there who's going to take some attempts away from her because you could tell that she was unreal through sets one and two, and then it started to go down from there, and that's exactly why, you know, Canigliano just dominated sets um it sets uh sets three and three four. and four and even even in the in set one right i turned on the game and it was like 18 13 um and i was just like oh look like malone's was running away with this i think they were up like 24 18 at one point and they ended up winning it 25 23 so you could tell that malone's was was a little sketchy and just not quite all there so uh i mean at the end of the day big ups to Canigliano. there's no doubt in my mind that they're the number one club definitely in italy but just from the consistency point, like you lose a player like Paolo Gono, you bring in Isabel Hawk, and you don't even miss a beat. You still win win the Scudetto. So fantastic job by them. And also to Malonza as well. Yeah, to, to I, push it, push I, it to I this agree. distance. I didn't even expect them to get past Scandici. They were able to do that. They are able to push it to five, make it exciting, but just not, not enough the tank for Jordan Thompson uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, Thompson had an amazing series. I, I think she really increased her stock, put herself up in that, up in that, not quite the elite echelon of female opposites with, you know, your Bushkovich, Agonu, Hawk. And then I would say Vargas is right there as well. I think Stisiak, uh, Stisiak, Thompson, and Karakert are, are up next. And right now I would take Thompson over either of those two other players. So she had a great series. I'm excited to see her play for the U.S. women this summer. If she can get healthy because... Boy, did Malone's really run her into the ground this series. But uh, yeah, Corneliano with to win five titles in a row is just insane. With all the turnover that they've had, and with as hard as they got pushed in this series, um, for Santorelli to bring those girls back from down a set, from um, down big. I mean, they were down 16 to 10 in the second. Like they they had to meaningfully change the momentum of that game. And it was exactly when Alexa Gray came in that everything turned around. Yeah. She was like I said, she was absolutely automatic. She had a sixty-nine percent hitting hitting percentage. It was just unreal. Love to see that from the Calgary native. Can't wait to see her uh wearing the Maple Leaf in just like what, like two weeks? Oh, so yeah, good. pretty damn about that. You know. Um so it just it just bodes well. Alexa Gray, MVP of game five here. Bree King was the top setter in the Brazilian league. Can't wait. Gonna gonna be awesome. Stoked to see it. Very nice. Okay. Uh, anything else about the Scudetto on the women's side? Congrats to Caneliano again. But uh, you ready to move on? Sticking on the women's side, though. Yeah, absolutely. Or do you want to jump to the men men's side on Italy? No, I or... want to. I want to talk about this because it's an, okay. it's another piece of hardware that's been given out. And Everett, we've been talking about it for a while. We've got an all Turkish Champions League final on the women's side this weekend. But neither of those teams win the Sultan Larligi. That honor goes to Fenerbahce for a three to nothing series sweep win over at Zajabasha. They win their first title since 2017. Uh, we talked about games one and two on last week's show. Game three was Thursday. Um, it was a five set win for Fenerbahce where Tiana Boschkovic was bad. She was mm-hmm. dreadfully bad. Negative efficiency got blocked 12 times. 
including to lose set one, which Zajabasha absolutely should have won, and to lose the match in the fifth set, which I think was 15 to, uh, 15 to 8. Yeah, so that was never really in doubt once it got to the fifth. Fenerbahce, out of absolutely nowhere, got dusted in the Turkish Cup and then completely, completely turned it around just like two weeks ago and got incredibly hot at the right time, and they knock off Vakif Bank and Zajabasha in order to win the Sultanmeyer League. Just, just ridiculous. Speaks to the all-time high parity in all of women's volleyball right now. Absolutely. It, it really does. And like, I think we really need to have a, a serious conversation just about how good the, the Turkish Women's League is right now. Amazing. When you look at Vakif Bank and Exajabasha and, and of course, Fenerbahce, um, you know, Fenerbahce absolutely dominated Canigliano um, in this in the in, in the Champions League. I think that's one of them that I think Canigliano wishes that they could have had back. Um, maybe Santorelli would have chose to go to Alexa Gray at, at some point there and it might have been a little bit different. But hey, uh, hindsight's always always 2020 but Fenerbahce was just unreal in this finals match 22 blocks that that was that, that was the crazy. big one crazy they d- dominated dominated at the net they weren't as effective necessarily from the baseline as they have been kind of throughout throughout the most of their success this season but at the net they were absolutely dominated Ashley Kalek was unreal six blocks seven for seven attacking she only put up 15 points That's... but you had four four of the attackers for Fenerbahce in double digits 16 for Federatseva 15 for Asley 14 for Anna Christina 13 for uh um and then 19 for Vargas actually uh, yeah, all of all, them and all of them yeah in double digits in total scoring um which is it's amazing uh and there were a couple things that we talked about on last week's show uh, one that I called that I definitely with standby i think i was vindicated that i thought that zajabasha should have changed setters i i I really do i did not think mayan yanovich set a good offense on thursday um they brought in saliha shaheen at outside for hande baladin who was bad they brought in her sister elif shaheen who's the backup setter only briefly and when they did it looked better that's why i was confused that that akbash didn't stick with that because it did look better uh, when they brought in the backup setter. But um, once again, Zajabasha gets snake bit by a bad outside hitter performance. Uh, Voronkova was fine. Um, she passed the ball decently, uh, did make nine errors and only uh, get 12 kills. But the second outside hitter position was not good. And then Bolshkovich just had a bad game. Bad, bad game with her back against the wall as one of the best players in the world to not win any major hardware this this club season yet for Zajabasha. They do still have a chance on Sunday, but um, they, they went, what, I was undefeated, 22-0, and 24-0. And and in the regular season. And we've seen that twice for Perugia on the men's side and Zajibasha on the women's side. Undefeated in the regular season, and you do not win the title. Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they didn't win the Turkish Cup. Nope. They, they didn't win the Super Cup. They nope. didn't win the FIVB World Club Championships. They didn't so, play the Super Cup, to be fair. But, they, but, you're uh, right. They, they, but they, they, they did not show up well in the Club World Championship. Yeah, so it, it is interesting you know kind of makes me think of maybe like the boston bruins this year having the best record ever in the nhl and then getting knocked out in the first round uh bought by the florida panthers hell maybe even the toronto maple leafs who actually that's been a little bit more about like a perugia so much pressure (laughs) year after year you just you just can't get it done um but it would be very very interesting to me to see if you know who canigliano won the club world championships uh fenerbahce wins um 
wins the the cup was it vakif bank won the cup or no it's fenerbahce vakif bank won the cup uh fenerbahce Vak- won the super cup and that 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 the turkish cup was just like two weeks ago because yeah. they had so much catching up to do they were playing match playoff matches every other day and fenerbahce got past vakif bank in that golden set and they win i think three one three two three two in the final in a best of five series it's uh crazy how hot they got and how well timed it was yeah absolutely so if if if, if, if zajabasha can win this weekend uh, against uh, Vakif Bank, that might be that would be very interesting because you know we have different winners for all of those major titles other than the Italian Cup and the and the Italian Scudetto, of right. course. But I all think time very- parody, man, it's it's all crazy, time. crazy this 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 women's volleyball season. Yeah, there's a lot of discussions to be had about, especially depending on who wins the Champions League. But is the Turkish league the best league in the world? I think I think it's I think it's fair to ask. But it also might not – does it does it help them or hurt them that the Champions League winner did not win the Scudetto – or not the Scudetto, but did not win the Sultanar Ligi regardless of what happens this weekend. I think it's it's fascinating. There's a ton of moving I think it parts. helps them. Really? I think it ab- – ab- oh, yeah, it absolutely helps them. It just shows the parity and the strength amongst amongst those top teams. Where the question for the Sultanar Ligi for me is is just the how quickly that drop-off is. You know, and we we've seen. I wouldn't say there's there's parity between all of the all of the teams in the Lega Volley Feminili, but you know the lower level teams in the Lega Volley Feminili are much much better than yep. the lower level that's, teams. That's what right? I've always said is the differentiator. Yeah, yeah the, the bad teams in Turkey are really bad. Once you get past a few of those like those next teams, like the Galatasarays and the uh, um, the Nulafers, I know Yesel Yurt was pretty good a few years ago, but that's because they had Alexa Karatasu, who's now back with with Vakif Bank. It really depends on like those athletes that are getting loaned out to those lesser teams. Yeah. If not, like it's, it's it's kind of like just a it's a walk in the park. Yeah, the budget disparity in in Turkey is is crazy. Like the, the the teams that have the gigantic banks or gigantic like public funding compared to the the lesser teams it's it's it ends up being pretty clear but um it, it's just really interesting that like because the past couple years europe has been dominated by one or two teams in particular like last year like the last couple of years it's always been vodka bank versus corneliano we yeah. always knew they were going to win their respective leagues we always knew they were going to face off in the champions league final and this year there have been way more contenders way more parity across the board in the entire season it's been very dynamic, very, very fun. And I mean, we almost saw Malonza beat Corneliano. And we almost we saw Scandici beat Malonza in the semifinals. Like that, yes. even, even in Italy, the parity was higher than we expected. 100%. And I mean, also, another thing, when you look at the Sutanlar League and you look at past champions, I mean, there's historically, there's only been four teams to win this. And one of them doesn't exist anymore. Emelak um, Bakazi, <laughs> right? Other than that, it's Ashabasha, Vakif, Bank, and Fenerbahce, right? And, and Bankazi hasn't won since 96. Right. So it's it's almost been 30 years since another team other than those top three teams has won a Sutanlar Ligi. So when you're looking at the parity of a Sutanlar Ligi compared to uh, a, a Lega Volley Feminili, the parity is much, much stronger with a Lega Volley Feminili for sure. But that top end of the Sutanlar Ligi is so, so, so strong. Yeah, it's fascinating, and we're going to get to see uh, a battle this weekend that we'll talk about in a bit between two other Turkish teams that aren't the the Sultanar League champions. But yeah, Fenerbahce goes home victorious. Just fascinating what they did to redefine a style of women's volleyball that can have success. And it was we we've talked about it a lot ever since their their Champions League win when they upset Canaliano. Then they lost in the Turkish Cup. It was it was it was up and down, but the the pure service firepower. The blocking presence and the out of system attacking ability 
that were almost men's volleyball like uh, were hot and cold at the various points throughout the year, but they got hot in time to win it to win a championship. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if it has anything to do like you've got the majority of the league. How many teams? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the teams in the Sultanat League all in Istanbul, and you've got another four in Ankara. Um, so yeah, they're all just they're all just stocked on top of each other in one place. Hell, four, four of them play out of the same uh, the same, the same arena. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So uh, and we'll talk about we'll, we'll preview the Vakovic versus Zajibash matchup in Champions League later on in the show. Uh, I, any, anything else about Fenerbahce's win, Everett? Yeah, I do think that there's one person that we're missing out here and giving a load of credit, maybe the most, and that has to be Macris. Like yep, the way call. she runs that offense, though. Like she was to me. She's a top two setter in the world right now, right? It's it's her and Veloge, and there's there's no doubt about it. And I, I think you have to give her that number one spot just on how much success she has at the national team level, whereas Veloge hasn't really attained that uh, just just quite yet. Veloge ha- um, hasn't played for Poland. She didn't play for Poland in the last five years because she didn't get along with the coach, and now now she's back with Barbellini's or not not Barbellini. Um, what's what's the Novara coach's name? Why can't I think of it? Lavarini, that's it. So Lavarini, yes. I, I don't think that's a fair comparison, but I, I think Volish is number one for sure. But I'm I'm happy to put Makris at two. She had an awesome year. I don't know. I guess I guess we'll have to see this summer because uh, I definitely think Makris is is uh, is up there for sure. I, like she could be con- contending for number one. Other than that, like I can't really think of a setter who competes with the either either one of those two on the women's side. Yeah, I mean, Fedorov Seva, top two outside hitter in the world for sure. Melissa Vargas, top four opposite in the world for sure. Uh, she's definitely put herself up there. I'm fascinated to see Vargas this summer. A lot to talk about with that in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, congratulations to Fenerbahce. Yep, 100%. It's going to be an exciting this weekend, this 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 weekend too, uh, between Vakif Bank and Uzajabasha. All right, let's go back to Italy, but shift over to the men's side. Everett, I thought for sure that we would be talking about Trentino winning the Scudetto this week on the show, but not so fast as Lube Chivadinova. No Ivan Zaitsev, apparently no problem. And a huge amount of credit obviously has to go to Marlon Yant. And I know, that, we Ron, go. I know that Ronnie Cuban Spike is going to be thrilled in the chat. But That's when... the only reason he's watching this episode, because he <laughs> knows that Marlon Yant had his best game of the season. Maybe of his career. 15 Maybe for 23 yeah. and seven aces and two Seven blocks. aces, yeah, Nuts. 100%. He was absolutely automatic. Um, I know Ronnie was going off in the Discord and being like, oh, Marlon Yant, the best Cuban outside. I mean, bro, he sits on the bench for Cuba behind Magallejo and, and Lopez. So let's not even let's not even get that. But in this one, he was absolutely unreal. Just when Lube needed him the most, he steps up um, a little bit error prone. But when you're dropping the amount of points that he has, as you said, like, Oh wait, not not error prone at all. Sorry, I, his his stat line was right before the the total stat line. Only one error in this one. Yeah, one seven. one first error, never blocked attacking. Seven aces to six aces. service errors is a great ratio. Like, and that's just an all time great match. It's amazing. Yeah, hundred percent, an all time great is his highest, like his season high point total uh, by far this season. I mean, yeah, when you look at when you look at his his stats from the uh the, the rest of the games, it was it wasn't looking good. And man, Lube Lube really brought it to Trentino in this one. They really, really did. I didn't think they had much of a shot without Zaitsev, who was really their emotional leader, but they really brought it to them. And I mean they fed off that home crowd, but still it was it was awesome to see. 
Yeah, so we were wondering what Lube was going to do with their lineup because not only do they lose Zaitsev, who was lining up at opposite but passing a lot of balls, they also lose an Italian guy. And to comply with the foreigner limit, they had to do one of two things. They had to either bench Barclomichin and Yeze, which they were not going to do in the middle, or they had no. to put in Mattia Botolo somewhere. And so what they did is they put Botolo and Yant on the outsides, which I, I kind of expected, and then they lined up Alex Nikolov at opposite who ended up not being all that good, 5 for 14 with four errors, getting benched, and huge credit as well, needs to go to Gabi Garcia, who hasn't had a very good second half of the season in limited action, but he comes off the bench in the second set, casually drops 13 for 17, and and served the ball decently well. Uh, Botolo hung in there just fine. Um, He looked comfortable enough. Uh, 11 for 20 with three errors is a very good match, but um, swap putting Nikolov on the right, but then giving him a little bit of a short leash and giving Garcia a chance was exactly the right move for Blangini in Zaitsev's absence. And it worked out extremely it, well. It was a really short leash for Nikolov really as well. Short. Because in the first set, he was fantastic. In the first set, he, ha- he had six points, four kills, and two aces. So he was really, really good in that first set. And then it dropped off quickly in the second. Obviously, Trentino made a bit of, a bit of an adjustment on him. And then that's when... You know, it, it started. It started to go down downhill a little bit, um, but you know, ultimately, like this was all about Marlon Yant. For yes, sure. Gabby Garcia was was really good, as you said. Seventy six percent hitting percentage is is pretty damn nasty. But he was getting a lot of those open looks just because of how automatic Marlon Yant is. And once again, we're seeing Chenineze really, really effective. Only getting nine attempts, but six for nine, pr- pretty good out there in three blocks. Three blocks. Yep, absolutely. And I am I, now extremely worried about Trentino. Oh, we've, really? ta- we've talked about the bridesmaid thing, dude. We've talked about it. Okay. They, this is a golden, golden opportunity for them to win their first Scudetto in, I think, six or seven years. They had, they, they just had a chance on the road without Lube's maybe most important player in the lineup, and they got 3-1. And now they're going to go back at home with all the pressure in the world tomorrow night. Uh, match 5, by the way, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Absolute must-watch, to say the least. All the pressure in the world is on Trentino right now. I, I, I think that Lube is kind of playing with house money. I think that everybody thought that they were going to lose match four. This is kind of like the Lube now is like Milano in the first round. They, they hung in there. They clawed their way back into that series against Perugia. They won a couple games they weren't supposed to, and they went into game five when Milano was not feeling the pressure Perugia was. I think this is not, not nearly to the same magnitude, but I think it's kind of similar. Trentino at home, that is going to be – a, a very energetic crowd, but there's going to be a nervous energy about that place because the opportunity presented before that club. And if they came up short in the finals again, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about on next week's show. Yeah. I mean, they haven't won a championship uh, Scudetto since 2015. Um, and, and you're Second right. In the think... champions league two years in a row. Like they did yeah. the, that, that one major trophy has just eluded them. They've been so close. This was the best opportunity they've had in years. I mean, they they haven't even been in the Scudetto final since 2017, right? right? But last year, they were up 2-0 on Lube in the semis and got reverse swept in the series. That was terrible. Yeah, I I think you're right, though. I think all the pressure is on Trentino right now Um, and Lube because we talked about them since the beginning of the season. We were talking about how they weren't going to be in this situation, right? How they weren't going to be in this position. Yeah, there was was no way, given what happened in the offseason. Gavin, yeah, given what happened in the offseason and how iffy they looked, but... 
Um, I think once again, it just goes down to a testament of how good this club is and how good of a coach Blangini is and, and how good these athletes are uh, as, as well too. And just how they've been able to come together. But if Trentino can come in and I think it's a bit of a stretch to think that Yant's going to have another performance like he has, <laughs> yes. uh, like, 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 like he did, um, because someone is going to need to step up, right? Someone needs to step up and have a fantastic athletic game where they're just putting out numbers and, and no one can touch them. Otherwise, like their team play isn't going to be able to do it. Like they, they need a, a fantastic offensive performance from, from someone and they need to do it from the baseline again, right? That's when they're the, that's when they're the best. That's when they're the most lethal. Um, because, because without that, you're not putting Trentino in a bad position. And if you're allowed them to be in system, that's when they start hurting you. Cause that's when they can start releasing the middles and it just opens up their offense from there. Well, speaking of the Trentino middles, this was the first match in the series where I think we legitimately noticed Stresco Lisanacci's absence. Yes. Uh, to here was not good in this match. He's, he's been very good as the third middle for Trentino the last two years. And he's been good in this series match four. he was not, he got, like putting a blender by Luciano DiCecco set in the offense. So, and he w- w- wasn't very good on offense either. So keep that zero, in mind. Zero, zero percent efficiency. Right. Keep uh, that Dijer. in mind. Keep that in mind tomorrow. No Lisa not see if that has a big effect. Do we know about the status of Zaitsev for this one? That's, that's the big question for me. And if he is healthy, do you go back to him? That's the other question. You do, right? you do for sure, be, because of what we saw on in on the opposite position with uh, having to play two guys. You got a great performance out of Gabby Garcia off the bench, but um, same same thing goes with Marlon Yant, like you said. You can't rely on you know fifteen for twenty three and thirteen for seventeen. Like you're not gonna get those games every time. You can't rely on that. If you have Zaitsev, play him. He's too important. The 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 way that they've mixed up the passing attacking those different responsibilities with Zaitsev and Nikolov has worked so well that if Zaitsev can go put him in but I'm not convinced that he can I I think um, even with five days off which is insane that they've waited so long to play this fifth match by the way it it doesn't make any sense even with that much time off whatever's going on with Zaitsev hitting shoulder I I would be surprised if he played tomorrow we're we're getting uh, confirmation in this chat here that he's it's he won't be playing. Okay. So um, that's that's one thing there for, for Lube. Uh, and you're right, like that's just a, ginor- a ginormous time off. You played the last game on Friday. My assumption was that they're going to be playing that that last game on Friday to then finish up the series on Sunday. I was, I was instead, thinking Monday or waiting today at the very almost latest. a week. Crazy. Why? What's going on? Like it's just volleyball. Come on, let's yeah. let's 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 figure, figure it, out. it out here. Um, so I don't know. Italians, let us know. Is there anything going on in Italy that would prevent, you know, like you don't want to go up against? Is there soccer or something on or sorry, football? Um, if if uh, going on right now, let, let us know in the chat. OK, because, yeah, it, it's just a little bit ridiculous. But, hey, game five going down tomorrow. It's definitely a must must watch. Who's um, your pick? I'm, Who's your pick, Everett? What do you got? I think I think Trentino is going to break the curse. I, I I really do. They've done a really good job uh, at bouncing back and just getting back into the the swing of things this this playoffs. So yeah, I think that Trentino is definitely is not definitely, but I think Trentino has a has a good shot uh, of taking it, especially at home. And I'm I'm trying to look right now. I'm going to go against that, and I'm going to pick Lube just because it would be chaotic. Like, imagine going into this season, you have Perugia that goes 22-0. and 0. 
They build the greatest roster maybe ever assembled. Lube gets the four seed. We're talking about them all year as being a shell of their former selves. And what if this of all years is the year they win and they go four Scudettos in a row? of all years i think it would just be hilarious i think it would it would be the perfect ending to a completely chaotic super league of playoffs and so i'm I'm gonna go ahead and pick blue baby because i think it would be funny all right well should be uh should be a good one to watch well everett we are not done talking about the italian men's league uh we get one more opportunity this season to clown on perugia the fifth place match that that stupid fifth place extended playoff that they do after the quarterfinals are over i hate that they do this but it culminated in monza versus perugia for fifth place and for a spot in the challenge cup now there's a chance that monza who beat perugia in five there's a chance that they get pushed up to cev cup and perugia does get a challenge cup spot but if I'm Perugia, I don't even want to play Challenge Cup at this point. To go 22-0 and in the regular season and finish sixth in the playoffs is borderline hilarious. Yeah, it, it's really – I mean, they were 29-0 and before losing to, um, to, to Piacenza in the semifinals of the uh, – of the Italian Cup and just kind of crumbled there since they're truly like one of the biggest breakdowns we've seen ever in professional volleyball, huge collapse, massive collapse. Uh, There's two things that I love about this match in particular. First and foremost, you you know, I got to put them on. Steven Marr led the match in this one, 21 points. He was 17 for 33. Got to love the boy from, from Aurora getting, getting the job done. Can't wait to see him in a Maple Valley's uniform in Ottawa in a couple of weeks. Um, But the other thing that I love is that Camille Richlicky led scoring um, for Perugia and was really one of the only was was the only one of the only good ones out there. Hit going twenty for 61 hitting percentage because his contract has not been renewed for for next well, they, season. They posted had, he, Perugia posted goodbye Camille Richlicky. Thank you for your yeah. service. Like he's yeah. out. He's, he's oh no yeah he's out. They they didn't take up. He had a two two plus one. He had the option. They didn't pick up the option. They're bringing in Ben Tara. Um, for some reason from the Plus Liga. I mean, Tara is really good. I actually love that move. He is really good, but he's not. He's not battle tested. You're talking about a guy who's led the scoring or like when one of the top scorers in the Plus Liga for the past few seasons, but has only made the playoffs this year. Right? Hasn't played Champions League. Doesn't play like he he plays for uh, Tunisia, so never plays internationally. Not for like, long. He's... Okay, well. Where where is he going again? He's he's going he's going to go be Polish, which is which is confusing as to why he's leaving the Plus Liga to come to the, the Super League in theory. But we're we're right, not here but, to talk about Bentaro. No, like, I, I think that Rikliski is overrated, and I always have. Oh, I, I I mean he's won Scudettos. He's he's been there. He's done it. Why are you getting rid of a player who's been there and he's done it on multiple he, occasions? Because he I, never ever ever delivered this entire year, except in a he, fifth place match. He, he got benched he, for Herrera in he every key on situation. A regular basis. He if got you look, benched if you look for Herrera. At, if you look at the stats, he was more efficient. He he was more efficient. He has less errors. And had more kills than than Herrera. Like he was one of their top scorers. Situational Everett. He was he was one of season. he was one of their top scorers all year. Great. But he's he's not he's not like you have Semenyuk, you have Leon, you have other guys, right? So to me, it's it's just and I love the fact that he went out and scored like this because that to me is Camille Richlicky. That's how how he has been time and time again. Extremely and I think it's overrated. An, I mean, we're gonna have to see like what what's up with Bentara then. Like once again, he is not at all 
he has no experience in big situations and they're going to put him on the right side going into when they want to win a champions league when they want to win a scudetto when well, they've had this they're five not five years they're not playing skid. champions league remember? oh you're right uh, there, I actually kind of like that move because there's less mouths to feed, and there's there's less egos to feed in that sense. Uh, but Sayonara, Camille Rickliski. I'm curious to see where he goes, where his career goes. But it was funny to kind of see Trentino. him. That's that's what I've heard. It was yeah. kind of funny oh, to, no. to see him confirmed on Vibox. Drop a banger and uh, on his way out the door. But it's just been so funny to clown on Perugia for the past three weeks. It's just hilarious. Like they're oh. they're, they're, they're they're such a disaster. Their their ownership is just crumbling. Their franchise needs to be burned to the ground and resurrected from the ashes because you cannot go twenty two and zero in the regular season and not even finish fifth. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, it is. They're they're tying their worst finish ever. Their first year in Superliga back in twenty thirteen, they finished fifth or sixth, and they're tying they're tying that result. Ever since then, they've finished uh, in in the like the top four or higher. So a massive massive breakdown. And to me, like this has to be organizational. Like you've gone through how many coaches you've gone through how many athletes um, and your best year was back in 2017, 2018 before you had the best player in the world. Yep. There's so many stories and uh, there's so many um, things to talk about, about this, about this Perugia team, but you're right. It's, it's fantastic to, uh, to, to clown on them. Once again, I would expect to see Monza bumped up to the, to the CEV cup, just like we saw Piacenza yeah, uh, had, had it done this, this, this past year um and you love to see it right also uh another one bites the dust as far as perugia coaches go uh happy trails to andrea anastasi his contract has not been renewed that franchise goes through head coaches like nothing i've ever seen in my life it's really funny. four and five years really four, four in five years next year will be their <laughs> fifth fifth in six years um it's looking like it's going to be lauren zetti but it's the question is, can Lawrence Eddie coach this team the way he wants to coach it? Or is he going to have the way um, Sirchi wants it to be coached? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he going to have Gino Sirchi just breathing down his neck? And yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many things to talk about it. I'm actually making a video on, on all of this right now. Uh, but yeah, once again, Perugia just can't get the job done this season. Like such a, such a Hilarious. 180 from the way they, the way they started it. Rob, it wasn't even three months ago that we were talking about them winning the infinity gauntlet and running the table. Yep. Congratulations now they, though to Monza, Stephen Mar, Arthur Schwartz, and their seasons with a W. That's nice. Yeah, that, absolutely. I'm going to be very excited to see what happens with Monza next year with a healthy Kachopa. Um, I know some other athletes who are going to uh, to Monza that I can't really speak about. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. All right. Uh, before we move on, Everett, it is time uh, for two of our favorite things to talk about. The first is that volleyball.store. Everett's got that beautiful 9 by 9 squared t-shirt on right now. Uh, you can head over to that volleyball.store, check out all the cool stuff, and use the code SPICY, as in the spicy hot pepper that we love so much on this show, for 15% off. Yep, absolutely. Go check it out, Rob. We need to get you some of the squared gear before we go to Ottawa. Yeah, we got got to get some before VNL. That will absolutely be arranged. Yeah, 100%. So a plug then, for the Volleyball Source Discord. I think we, we always bring it up, but we need you all to join the Volleyball Source Discord. The link is in the description, but it is the best online chat community in the world by far for volleyball. And with national team season coming up, people's uh, people's national team pride is going to come even more to the surface. They're going to be even more funny to see people talk trash in the FIVB channel during VNL. It's yeah. going to be great. 
Yeah, we're at uh, 1150 uh, members right now wow. in the Discord. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, so make sure you come join that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch me chirp Ronnie uh, after Canada beats Cuba in the first match <laughs> of the VNL uh, in, in Ottawa this year, especially because they won't have any Simone. Um, so yeah, that that that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And then also, um, this is our time to ask you to give us a nice little like, you know? Give us a nice little, give us a nice little thumbs up uh, on that video. I don't think we hit eighty-one on the last video, um, but eighty-one yeah. square meters is the best volleyball content. We want eighty-one likes per episode. Make it happen. Exactly. Come on now. Yeah. So give us that like. Show us you like the show, uh, and you know, leave a little, leave leave a little comment too. We love, we love to know what you think, especially you know now that we're heading into national team. Um, season let us know in the comments what do you want us to talk about moving forward because there is we're going to do a lot of previewing yes coming we up will. The next little bit vnl getting ready it's a big summer with the olympic qualifiers of course you've got european and orsica championships and all of that so it's going to be a big summer for international volleyball so we want to hear from you guys what what you want to hear from us uh what you want to, us to talk about yeah, put it in the comments after the live stream is over so that we can go back and look at them uh, another thing that you should comment after the youtube stream is over this where's daddy it's time for everybody's favorite segment uh somewhere in this episode daddy stankovic is hidden uh if you're unfamiliar i love dragon stankovic so much uh he is daddy uh, as i mean if, if you wonder like why do i love dragon stankovic so much the answer is like just look at him i mean come on just look at him he looks like john mayer and he's a, a boss volleyball player and he's the best so somewhere in this episode daddy stankovic is hidden if you find him uh, you comment after the stream is over the timestamp of where he is and you get a shout out in next week's show so on last week's show as we were celebrating the berlin recycling volleys winning the bundesliga <laughs> you see somebody's kid in the celebration photo on the bottom right uh, looks a little bit different. That's because there's Daddy Stankovic uh, hidden in the bottom right of that of that photo there. So um, I, I noticed that last week during the show, there were a bunch of people that saw it right away. There was a mad dash in the comments to try and be first. I think our friend Kiro Neri was the first to call it out. Our friend John the Master 74 was right behind him. So uh, good job finding Daddy. I have placed him somewhere a little more difficult in this episode. And I'm not going to tell you if he's already showed up or if he will show up in the second half of the show. But uh, Daddy Stankovic is somewhere. You know the drill by now. Uh, comment the timestamp as soon as the show is over. Yeah, absolutely. It's too bad. It's too pixelated on our uh, on our back end for me to see it right now. Um, so I'm gonna have to wait until uh, in until the end of uh, in until the end of the uh, the episode for for you to tell me. Uh, Ronnie, real quick, are you going to come and do a nice little Cuba preview for us for for VNL? No, we don't want that because that video would be seven and a half hours long. Well, we'll do. We're not going to do it in the nine by nine. We'll do it. We'll do it uh, on its own. He can oh, drink yeah. a bottle of wine again, and he'll. And that video will still be seven and a half hours long. <laughs> but if that's what the people want to hear, I'm always down to have Ronnie Cuban Spike on the channel. But yeah, lots of VNL coverage coming up. But before that, we still got more club volleyball to talk about. Everett, we've got to talk about the Plus Liga. What a beatdown! Oh what God. an absolute. Beast down, laid upon Zaxa by Yashemsky Vengil. Congratulations to them on winning their second Plus Liga title in three years. 3-0 to win the final. That third match was not even close. Not even no. close. No, it was an absolute beatdown. And you can tell that that JSW just gained that confidence and gained that momentum as the series went on. Once again, 
We talked about it uh, at the beginning of this series that there was a few players who had to be fantastic. Uh, first and foremost, Stefan Boyer. I mean, that's exactly what he was. He was unreal in, in this one, 10 for 18 um, with three blocks and two aces for, for 15 points. Absolutely massive. Thomas Fornal was, I still think he was the best player in the series. Uh, five for nine with no aces. Um, or sorry, with no errors and a, and a block and an ace. So he was unreal, but just truly just JSW was just on another level. They were clicking it. They they were going for it. Tony Uti was just slinging the ball for a fantastic offense. 53% efficiency in this one for JSW. Amazing. And the other side of the net, Zoxa. Zoxa just not looking good. Not negative, looking good. Negative efficiency for both Bednorge and Schliefka. I mean, these set scores, 25, what, 15, 16, 13 yeah. in an elimination game. Like, that oh. is not even close. 11% efficiency for Zaxa in this Oof. match. That is terrible. They got blocked, like, 15 times. Uh, 11. Absolutely... Uh, 11 stuff 11 blocks. times. Yeah, Polish yeah. blocking stats are a little confusing. They they have a column for, like, block touches. But yeah, 11 no, stuff no. blocks, it's... 15, 15 blocks, 11, 11 touches. I think it's the other way around. Either way... Uh... Yeah, no, yeah, maybe you're right. It is 15. 15 blocks in three sets is absurd. Uh, either way, I think that Yashemsky just played a perfect series. Now, Zaxa didn't play well, but I don't think anybody in the world was beating Yashemsky in these three games the way that they played. They, exactly no. like we said, Boyer was going to have to be one of the best players on the court. He was going to have to minimize his errors. He did. He was serving the ball, he was blocking the ball, and he was hitting over the top of people. And then the outside duo, Fornal and Cleveno, were just awesome. They were awesome. Fornal in particular, but Cleveno in the in the in game three there, 10 for 18, 44% efficiency, and passed the ball lights out. J- just it was amazing. And I know Yuri Glotter was the MVP. He contributed a lot in the middle. They served well enough that Tony Uti's small size in the block wasn't a weakness. It was literally the perfect series for Yashemsky. But as these two teams prepare to play each other again in a Champions League final this Sunday, I'm curious about the effects of 10 days off on like sort of the momentum of the series. 10 days off, totally different situation, not playing in Poland, playing on a neutral site. I'm fascinated to see that matchup again with Zaksa, who just got their brains beaten in, but they are the two-time defending Champions League champions. That's, that's a, th- a big thing to me i i really think i think that when you're looking at how good um zox has been in the champions league because we've seen them have poor performances in the plus liga and then turn around and be dominant in the, in the champions league and this is a team that's won the past two they know what it feels like to be in the finals uh whereas jsw you know they they haven't really done that they haven't been to the finals Maybe ever. No, I don't think they've, they've think ever they've been. been ever. Yeah. This, this group hasn't been. Of course, Tony Uti has been. Uh, I think that's about it. So I think once you get there, it's a much different beast than playing at home, you know, in a, in a f- familiar territory. Like CEV protocol is going to be different than the Plus Liga protocol. I think there's all these little things that, that are going to make it different and are maybe maybe going to even the, the playing field. Otherwise, I was going to, I was going to, you would have to say that JSW is going to run away with this one based off, based off of what we just saw. However, you know, we saw Zaxa really just run over JSW through the end of the season, and now it was a little bit different. So it was absolutely bonkers. I couldn't have predicted it, but I loved watching JSW and the way they were playing. You could tell that they were just playing freely. You know, 
and they were so free and just so much confidence just so so much, so confidence. much confidence you can tell what happens when you keep boyer out of the clubs um, <laughs> and he gets a good night's sleep you know it, it, it it's just it's just a world of difference so um I, i'm excited to see them in the champions league finals just because uh, i'm really excited if if to see if they're up to the task right but ultimately just like we talked about on the women's side with Turkey, are, are are they the best league in the world? That conversation has to be happening way about more so on the men's side, right? Way more so on the men's side, considering the Plus Liga has won three uh, Champions Leagues in a row now, and now it could be be potentially from another team. Like that's pretty crazy, and uh, you know, with the fact that they're doing it with less foreigners on, on their team as well, there's no teams in the Plus Liga that are stacking up their teams like Perugia with just so not many even foreigners. Close. Not not even close. And the, the fact consistency that year to year yeah. with their rosters is way um, more than the Italian league. Way, way, way more. So truly, like right now, to me, I think the Plus Liga might be surpassing the Super Liga. Not that crazy of a take, especially because. Like the, the argument with on, on the women's side, the Turkish league, the bad teams are really bad. The bad teams in Poland aren't even that bad. Like they're they're, they're no worse than the bad teams in this, in in Italy, with the exception of Ravana last year. Like they they, they really can go toe to toe in every area. I do think that the Plusiga does a better job with media and coverage. Uh, they they they, uh, they had more teams this year. They played too many matches, in my opinion, but they do an amazing job producing all their events. Um, I was just going back through it, Everett. Zaksa and Yashemsky now this year have played seven times. <laughs> They're about to play for an eighth time. Three in the Plus League final, two in the regular season, the Cup final, and the Super Cup final. The, the Yashemsky won the Super Cup. Zaksa won the Cup. They split in the regular season. And uh, Yashemsky, as we talked about, the, just kicked the crap out of him three to zero in the Plusiga final. But uh, we've this has been one of one of the low key best rivalries in volleyball the last three years. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, and it, when you look at it one way, like Zaksa's kind of dominated, but now this is two Plusiga championships in three years for for yep. JSW. And if they could add the Champions League to that, like that that might switch. Um, and I absolutely love it. I, you know what? I just wish we could watch more Plus League of Volleyball yep. in English. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing that I wish we could watch. 100% agree. I was just watching the game today. Uh, Rosovia beat Xavierce 3-0 to zero in, the third play, in the third place series in the fifth game of that. So that was good series too. So Rosovia will play Champions League next year. My boy TJ, TJ DeFalco was tremendous. Uh, but I, I just love watching those games. They do such a good do- job with the broadcast. And I don't even speak Polish. Like I can only imagine how much more I would like that if they put English commentators on that league the way they, that Volleyball World is done with the Italian League. So... Maybe one day we can dream. Uh, we will make our picks for the Champions League final in just a minute when we talk about the women's as well. Uh, so let's move on, Everett, uh, across more Europe. There are five other trophies that were given out this week that we do need to talk about a little bit. I think we should start with the Turkish Men's League. Yeah, and absolutely. More so the last couple months. I've actually been watching a decent amount of the Turkish Men's League because it's for free on YouTube. And I've really liked Hulk Bank with uh, two Americans and Mike Amat and Thomas Jeski. This final series with Hawkbank versus Zeratbank was awesome. Electric. Great Electric. final series, but it is Zeratbank who wins the series 3-2. to two. They win their third consecutive title in the FLR League. Uh, they beat Hawkbank 3-1 to one yesterday for the title. Very, very good match. 
Wouter Termat. Enough said. How about Enough it? Said. He, Wouter Termat is just absolutely unreal. And I mean, this is a guy who we haven't really seen. We've talked about it before. We don't really get to see on the international stages just because he doesn't really play for the net, the Dutch because he's got Namir in front of him. But this one, I think this is really the first time that they've been head to head and he showed up to play. Um, and it was, it was awesome to see one old man, Juan Tarena, he woke up, great. he, he He's was, great. he, he was very, very good. Uh, 18 points in this, in, in that final Martin Antanasov, who I know both you and I have been iffy at times was really, really good, uh, through, uh, in, in this final match too. Um, so yeah, just big ups. I was expecting Hulk bank to run away with it, but their team, the the way they played later in the, the playoffs, it was really just all in the mirror. And Jishki. Uh, I really wish we could have seen Nicholas Bruno more, but it's also tough to take off um, Jishki with how well he was playing. You know, he hit 68%. He was passing unreal. He was serving well. He was blocking well. So it's tough to take him off. But with the foreigner limit there, um, you couldn't really get Bruno in. And Bruno is really one of those emotional players that you need. You know, he's the captain. You needed to get him in there somehow, and they just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, they tried a couple times to put the backup setter in, Aslan XC for Mike Amaa, and, uh, and so that they can put Bruno in on the left. But we sure, Bruno's a, a, a spiritual leader. He's a fireball of a player. But in terms of production, he's not going to get you enough to put you over the hump of a team like Zirat Bank, who was played so well on the wings. Like, on paper, sure, Namir and Jeshki are better than anyone on Zirat Bank's entire team, especially with the, the, the season that Thomas Jeshki had. Since coming in halfway through, he I can't think of a match where he didn't hit above 50% efficiency. He was just amazing. This one, too, 19 for 28. Just He was just spectacular. But it wasn't yeah. quite enough. I think the, one of the big areas was the middle. Zirat Bank... Mm-hmm owned owned hulk bank in the middle i thought bulbul and gunesh were both terrific and they really have made a big difference uh don't ever don't think middles aren't important no 100 percent. even if you're not dropping even if you're not in the double digits if you're able to run your middle at timely times it makes such a difference and you're right i just don't think that this skill and like mathematic he's he's all right he was two for four uh, but you need to give it a little bit more. So maybe we're going to have to, I, I hate to say it, but maybe we put that little one a little bit on Micah Ma'a. Just, just, just a little bit. Maybe, yeah. maybe, he'll be in, maybe he'll be in Ottawa if he chooses to, to play for uh, the national team this year. He, this year. But, he uh, is on the VNL roster, which is great. But yeah, yeah uh, Ma'a, really, really good season. A big part of carrying Hulk Bank to a Champions League semifinal, but not that good of a series in the final, got to say. No, I agree. And I wonder too, like, this is just a complete, like, just a shot in the dark but i was watching an out of system podcast recently and you know gage and joe are together and like yo we're we're in uh we're in northern california and ma was like yeah i know i can't wait to be there with you guys i can't wait to be back home he's ready i I wonder if it's just been a bit of a long season for him and and he's ready to 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 get out of there that's fair Um, it's been a long season for everyone also vote termat is on the dutch roster for vnl he, he is on That's the great. the thirty the thirty man roster. The so Dutch if... the Dutch should give Namir at least one, maybe two weeks off. Like oh, the, absolutely, they don't lose that much if you start Termat. Like clearly, he can carry a big offensive load for a team. Save Namir. That man needs an off season, maybe more than anybody on the planet. Save him for a week or two. And especially when you have a scoring machine like Walter Termat, like you're not losing anything exactly. at all. Right by 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 putting in Termat in there. So let's see if that Stu's Piazza can figure things out. 
Uh, well, we, we've we've wondered that before with with varying success. So, uh, congratulations to Zirat Bank. That that was a little unexpected. Just a, yet another unexpected uh, championship series that was pretty electric. Uh, speaking of electric championship series, Tours Tours comes back from down 0-3 in the first match to win three to zero and win a golden set fifteen to ten over Chaumont at home to win the LNV and to win your entire season championship in a golden set must be the best feeling ever. So congrats to tours their first title since winning it back to back in 2018 and 19. It's the only thing in volleyball that we have akin to uh, overtime. shootout or like legitimate overtime. Yeah. Like a legitimate overtime, you know, like that's the one of the things that's I love about hockey playoffs so much, like those sudden death overtimes. And you bet your ass that every Canadian kid grows up playing on the driveway, talking about it's game seven, you're in overtime and scoring that winning goal. So winning that 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 golden set to me is is very much the the same thing. But tools, you know what, Shomon did come out nicely uh, to win game number one, but tools has been the best team this year in france all season long mostly and they dominated in this one 14 blocks six errors they were 62 percent attacking um they were just absolutely fantastic um you look at their points totals they had three different guys in double digits um and so yeah big ups to tools i think both of these teams will be playing in champions league next year Good, as they should. And uh, yeah, we got two Americans, uh, Pat Gassman, Mike Marshman on Showman. I know they're they're bummed to have come up just short, but uh, I, I hope that they both stick around to be able to play a little Champions League next year. Yeah, and absolutely. But, but those French teams are always a little interesting, right? Like how often have we seen, like there's there's been that French team curse where you're really good one year and, you're and then horrible. you're terrible the next year. Yeah, Khan you know two years ago. That was yeah, brutal. Khan was two years ago. They're not even, they're in the B League now, right? Um, and of course you had Montpellier who won the league last year, started off terribly. They did end up making it to the playoffs, but Barely. Still, it's, it's, it was terrible. Tools is one of, but Tools has consistently been, you know, I think once again, if you're talking about good, good organizations i think tools to me has to be the best organization in all of french volleyball they're the most right? consistent i mean I, I remember the the first time i really watched them the last couple of years was last year in the cev cup when they beat they beat modena and then they beat scrub el and that that home crowd that they had blew me away it blew yeah. me away i really didn't know that the french league had any arenas that showed up like that and i was i was very impressed so now yeah. they're good. Now they're going to do it for Champions League again, and hopefully they can add one or two really good foreign pieces this off season. Yeah, seven titles for Tools since 2010 when they won their first one. Wow! So to me, like they've hands down been the best team, um, the best team in uh, in the French league over the past decade or more. Yep. And speaking of the French league, another title handed out on the women's side. Volero Locane wins the LNV. 2-0 in the final over Mulhus, and it's their second championship in a row. We talked about looking at a decent amount in Champions League because they had a bunch of Russians on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, I, if they're keeping that roster intact, no reason to think they can't do some damage in Champions League again next year. Yeah, 100%. This is a little bit interesting, though, because Lucena didn't have that great of a regular season. Right. They did uh, not. When, when, you, when you look at it, they were sixth in the regular season, 16 and 10. Uh, overall, so to come from sixth all the way to win, I think that's a that's a pretty big uh, um, that's a pretty big gap to to pick up. So great job there by Valero Lucanet uh, to pick up another Ellen or another another. Yeah, they won last year, right? Yeah, so, yeah second in a row. Sec- their second in a row. Yep, love to see it. 
Um, speaking of hardware, got more to hand out. Congratulations to Stuttgart on women, winning the Women's Bundesliga, a 3-1 in the series over Potsdam. They win match four, three sets to one for their second title in a row and three of the last four. A couple of Americans on that team, which is awesome. Yeah, Crystal Rivers, she's been there for a while now. We've seen her do it at the Champions League level. Love to see her getting that dub. A little sad for me. Kim Robitai was the backup setter on the other side of the net for Potsdam, but big ups, bigs up, big ups to her and the rest of their team. I mean, they beat Rocket Bank this year, so that should be a, a, good, a good win in itself. Yep, and uh, Simone Lee on that team as well. She's actually on the VNL roster, like the 30-person women's VNL roster for the States, which is great. So uh, congratulations to Stuttgart. Also, congratulations to Łódź for winning the Polish, uh, the Toron Liga, the Polish Women's League. Uh, they beat Zhezhov 3-1 in the final series, 15-13 um, in the fifth to win the championship, which is pretty incredible. And uh, they persevered through uh, Zuzana Goretzka's torn ACL, which really sucks. Um, they, the Polish national team was expecting a good summer out of her on the outside, but they persevered through that to win their first title since 2019. Yeah, it's I, I'm really feeling for Rezhov in, in this one because that's four straight second place finishes yeah, for them. <laughs> and then if you even if you even go back, uh they've been in the top uh they've been in the top three um now six times uh since twenty seventeen. Two thirds, four seconds, still can't get it done. You know, Kemic has won how many yeah, they've, they've won they like nine. Hemik Polizze has won like nine out of the last ten, or so, something insane. So when they got knocked out, eight the out of the last final, nine. Yeah, yeah, that's eight. it. So you know that Rejov and Stefan Antiga were just like, "This is our chance." Unable to get it done, but Lodge, who's that? The only team to break up, um, uh, break up Kemik's uh, run there, um, getting it done. So I think you're starting to see a little bit more, a little bit more competition in the in the Toron Liga as well, starting to follow the Plus Liga. Yeah, I, I like that too. Uh, so shout-outs to Woods. They will play Champions League next year again. And uh, so that's it for European titles handed out, Everett. I think it's time to spend some time previewing the last matches of the club volleyball season. It is finally time. We haven't talked about Champions League in like a month because they, no. they wait so long to play it. But it is finally time this Sunday, the Women's Champions League final in Turin, Italy, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. Vakif Bank versus Itzajabasha, followed by the men's final. Same gym, same place, same day, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's start with the women's side, Everett. We have talked about um, the, the Turkish Women's League a decent amount this this episode already, but give me a quick preview and your pick for Vakif Bank versus Itzajabasha. Well, I think this one's a really interesting matchup, right? Because we haven't... Like we haven't really seen it. There's been a lot of Fenerbahce versus Vodka Bank, and of course we just saw uh, Zasha Basha versus versus Fenerbahce. But we haven't really seen, other than the regular season, we haven't really seen these two teams play all that much. Uh, I do think that Vodka Bank may have a bit of an advantage because they do have a little bit more time off. They might be more rested, really? but on the flip side, they might be a little bit more rusty. Vodka Bank is also used to being in these big situations, um, and, and and you know getting ready to, to to play these matches like they won it last year they won the uh the world club championships last year as well so you know they're used to playing in in these big matches and i wasn't too impressed with exhaustion basha down the stretch no like, i i just think that they they maybe they lacked uh that competition um because it it just hasn't been great uh 
to, to, to tell you the truth. And I, I don't know. I'm very, very questionable uh, about them. But this is also just a one-game scenario, right? And when you have an athlete like Tiana Boscovich on your team who can just go out and ball out for one game, that's all she needs, she probably won't be. I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't play Champions or VNL again this year. You know, um, how how is that going to look? So ultimately, I think my pick it has to be Vakif Bank in this one. I like, even though Exhaustion Basha has dominated all season long, I think Vakif Bank just has that that experience. And I think they're chomping at the bit a little bit. They feel like they're owed one after falling to Fenerbahce the way they did in the semifinals. I agree with you. I also like Vakif Bank. I think the it factor of, factor of Gabi is an irreplaceable advantage that they have because, like, position for position, they're actually kind of similar. Like, Vaka Bank and Zajibasha are neither of them are similar at all to Fenerbahce, who just rolled through both of them the last couple of weeks. But I do think they are kind of similar to one another. They've both got world class opposites. Uh, they they're both very good in the middle. In general, I think Vaka Bank is even a little bit better, and they're going to get to play Chaco Bogu uh, with no foreigner limit. Um, I, I mean, historically, Maya Onyanovic has been a better setter than John Suozbi, but recently, I think that's a huge question mark. I'm curious to see how short Onyanovic's leash is but where it, the biggest difference is the outside hitter position the Zajabash's outsides Vronkova and usually Baladin not even close to the level of Gabi and Karabayama the American who's had an amazing second half of the season so uh, I like Vakafank as well the Champions League final experience I think is really really valuable and I think it's going to show up big yeah Zaja Basha 2-0 over um, Vakafank in the regular season but Vakif Bank did beat Exacha Basha 3-0 at the World Club Championships back in December. So that's the regular season versus the big moments. There is a big difference. Some teams are built for it and some aren't. Like Zaja Basha went went 20 something and 0, 26 and 0 the regular season and got stomped 3-0 in the final. Like I, I I'm not convinced that they're made for a moment quite like this, but it is a huge rebound opportunity for Tiana Boshkovich after a bad game last time out against Fenerbahce and I can't remember the last time I saw her have two bad games in a row I think it's a bigger it's a bigger bounce back game for Maya like I think yeah. her setting it was way worse than you know at the end of the day Boscovich is just getting what she gets and Maya has continued I mean there was a time a couple years ago when Vakif Bank just had just had Boscovich and not really around them. And I was watching them in Champions League, and I was like, man, Maya might be the best setter in the world. The way she runs her middles, the way she, she runs yeah, this she offense. She played for Vakif Bank just two years ago. Yeah. Well, this is when she was, was – was it? No, I think she was with the Basha at the time. Last year, yeah. But like in, in the Champions League final two years ago, the Vakif lost to Corneliano when Egonio was on Corneliano. Uh, it was Onyanovic setting Vakif Bank, which was interesting. Okay. Yeah. F- fair enough. But yeah, I, I don't know. Recently, like it just, it, it just hasn't been working for me. I wonder if watching Serbia succeed as much as they have without her has, has hurt her ego a little bit. Could be. And Serbia has succeeded a lot without her. And I, I'm still convinced that Alif Shahin is the better setter choice in this particular situation for Zajibasha. So we'll see how short that leash is. Uh, I've got Vakif Bank three to one. Three to one. All right. Fair enough. I'm, I think. I think it's going to be a sloppy game on either side, so I'm going Vakif Bank 3-2. Okay, sure. Uh, n- nothing like a five-setter in the Champions League final. That would be great. Uh, 
we'll see what happens in this one as well. We talked about this series already. Yashemski versus Zaksa, all Polish game. Yashemski stomped them 3-0 in the Plus League final, but that's it's been it'll have been 10 days since then. Uh, we talked about these matchups already. I think all we have to do is give our picks. Everett, what do you think? Ooh, this one's going to be tough, but I think I'm going to go against the grain here and go with Zaksa. I, I really think that the way that they've played in the Champions League this season, and this is something we've seen in the Champions League before. I remember it was Gdansk a few years ago where they didn't even make the playoffs in the Plus Liga and yet made the semifinals of, of the Champions League. You see it in soccer as well, too, where there's one team that just, just blows up nicely uh, in the Champions League, and they just feel way more comfortable in, in that competition. I have a good feeling about Zaxa in, in this one. Um but I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think this is two teams that are going to go toe to toe. To me, it really happens on how it really comes down to how much partying Stefan Boyer has done <laughs> over the past week or so. I honestly think this could go either way. And and for for how dominant, straight up dominant, Yashemsky was in that Plus Liga final series, it is remarkable that I think we're both in agreement that this is going to be a really good match because. The last match we saw these two teams play was as lopsided as any match all year long. But I really think that Zox's experience in Champions League situations is a big deal. They've won two of these in a row. They went through an all-time gauntlet this year to even get to this point. They beat Trentino. They beat Perugia, both in two-match series. And here they are with a chance for a three-peat, which would be just an all-time, all-time great achievement. Like, I know Trentino did that in the late like. Oh, yeah, 2009 to 2011, Kazan won four in a row, 15 to 18. But this is a, this is a legacy cementing opportunity for this entire Zox organization. But I've got Yashemsky. I, I, okay. I, I think it's their turn. I think it's their turn. I, I think the, the way that they dominated, the, the blueprint that they now have, it will only come down to executing the exact same thing they did in the Plus League final. And they mopped the floor with Zaxa in that series. Um, I like Stefan Boyer. I like Trevor Cleveno. I really like Tomas Fornal. Uh, I think this is Yashemsky's turn. I think it is. I think that there's a big chip on Zaxa's shoulder right now. There, right? there has to be. I think, I think they're embarrassed. I think they're frustrated. I think they're upset. And there's only one spot to take it out on. And then and it, even better, it's that team that just embarrassed them, right? Not um, very so often do you get a chance for retribution no. immediately after getting embarrassed like that. Especially in like the league, like very, like this never happens. Never. You know, this, this never, it, this, this never, ever happens. So um, I think that Zaxa and they have one match to prepare, right? They have one match to get everything ready. And I think that, much in the same way how ready they were for uh, Perugia in the semifinals of the Champions League, they're going to be ready for um, JSW in the finals on uh, on Saturday or Sunday? What, it what is day? Sunday. It's on Saturday. S- Sunday. Sunday, 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 Sunday. No, no, no. The, 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 I'm looking the, on it on, on sports stats right the now. The 20th? Yes. Oh, no, it is on Saturday. No way. I thought for sure it was on Sunday. Okay, that's yes. Uh, that's big. That, that, okay, Saturday. Uh, set your calendars. You, you, you have plans. You have plans this Saturday. Uh, this game will be on YouTube on the CEV as long as you uh, pay them. Uh, it's usually like five bucks USD for, uh, for, Something the, like that, yeah. for, for the membership. And uh, the YouTube way to watch is way better than Eurovolley TV. Do not waste your way money. Way better. 
do not waste your money on Eurovolley TV. That is a terrible platform. Watch on YouTube for a couple bucks. Uh, this will be two of the best volleyball matches all year. Hopefully, they live up to the hype. But yeah, the, yeah uh, I'm glad you caught that. That they're Saturday. I really had the, that they were on Sunday in my head. Imagine you're just like at the park playing some some grass threes, and then all of a sudden you're 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 the uh, Discord is blowing, blowing up. up. Like, Where's Rob? <laughs> Where's 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 Rob? I unfortunately have to work at like four on Saturday, so hopefully it's a quick one. But I might just go to go to my my bar and just uh, just sit and watch it on my phone or something while waiting well, to work. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, get in the Discord. I'm sure we'll be popping off about it, and we'll put the links there for you if you can't find it. But uh, it'll be worth whatever couple dollars it, it costs to watch these games. Will be worth it. I promise. And we'll talk about them both on next week's show. I mean, if they were smart, they would just put it for free. Like you put you you want as many people to watch it, but hey, this is volleyball we're talking about. <laughs> Boomers, trench coats. You yeah, know. they kind of do the opposite of what I would say is logical. And like the more important the game, the less likely they are to make it public, which yep. I don't really love. Uh and which is actually kind of a good transition to this, as we talk about this past weekend's VLA Cup tournament. The VLA, you know we, what's coming, Rob. We, you know it's coming. We uh, we use the VLA. We like we use the YouTube channel membership too to do the same thing. But every time there's a final of a tournament, we're gonna put it public. Like that's what everybody wants to watch. We're gonna put it public. So uh, the VLA Cup this past weekend was a big deal for American volleyball. Just an enormous success. Thirty six teams, twenty eight men's teams uh, in Chicago, and eight women's teams for the first time ever. So on the men's side, congratulations to the Las Vegas Team NV going 15-0 and in sets um, to win the tournament. They beat Emiola, their sort of sister squad. They're t- under the same management. They beat them 3-0 in the final. Really, really good ball. Um, Team NV uh, came up just short. They lost in the finals of the West and the Central Division Cups this year. So they are able to win the big one. And on the women's side, for the first time ever, we get women's volleyball on the VLA stage, which was great. The Midwest Magic, Um, they're out of Milwaukee, but they do kind of represent the whole Midwestern United States. They beat the Northeast Force out of Connecticut 3-1 to to win the VLA Cup, the first women's title in VLA history. So huge, huge success for American volleyball. Our YouTube numbers were unbelievable. So uh, I thought the level of ball was great, even on the women's side, which was like kind of unpredictable. We didn't know what to expect going in, but there was some good ball played by everybody in that gym. So congratulations to these two teams. Yeah, uh, absolutely unreal. I mean, Team Envy is just basically Team Ruckus. I didn't know Emi Ola was basically under the same ownership as yeah, well. Yeah, they are. Um, so, Rob, you told me on the weekend that if I ask you this, you're going to shut off the show. <laughs> but, like, when when are you guys going to, like, sit down with those owners? You have the two best teams who are still sitting in Tier 1. They have no intention of moving up to... Or, sorry, two, they're still yeah. sitting, sitting in Tier 2. They have no intention of moving up to Tier 1. Does it just not make your product better if they if they do move up to Tier 1 and, and become one of the, the premier teams in the league? Nope. I, clear, I think it's clearly, better this way. How? Legitimately. How? I think it's how better this way. How do you think way? it's better this way? Because it, it proves the, the, the Tier 2 concept. You can do whatever you want in the Tier 2 division of the VLA. It is literally an open registration division. You can make your own schedule. The roster flexibility, there is a big difference in what you're able to do with building a roster in Tier 2 versus some of the restrictions that there are in building a Tier 1 roster. If you want to play three tournaments a year, like Team NV, Emiola, they do this. They, They play the West Cup, they play the Central Cup, and they play the VLA Cup, and that's their season. That's all they want to do. That's That's great. If you don't want to play the whole tier one regular season, like commit to that schedule, play like 
run through the playoffs to do the whole thing. Fine. That's cool. We, we want the, the VLA tier two is an open registration division. It is what you want to make it. If you are, if you are not a very good team and you just want to like play great tournaments and play good competition and go to the silver bracket and end up playing like competition by the end of an event. Great. Like that's good. If you want to grind and get points and like reach those promotion thresholds to move to tier one. Great. If you want to be really, really good and not play tier one, that is cool too. Because we're getting amazing players into the gym. These two rosters, like for Envy and Emiola, were loaded. Absolutely loaded. Like insane like rosters or resumes of these players, all the European experience, the big name NCAA programs that were represented. Like this is great. All of it is great for the league and every, all these different teams approaching it a different way. That's exactly what we want to put out there. So that begs the question, though, are, are the roster requirements too high for Tier 1? Maybe. What, what, are, what are the roster requirements for you Tier just 1? Gotta, you've just got to be more consistently there. You've got, you've got to play more events, and you can't just like stack your roster for the VLA Cup only, which is exactly what both of these teams did that ended up making the final, because in Tier 2, you can do that. Uh, in Tier 1, if you have people coming back from overseas, you have to have designated them months in advance uh, instead of I just see. like as soon as they get back stateside, you're like, okay, you're cool. You're just like picking up ringers, picking up free agents at the last minute. But it, I seriously, I think that it's good. It's good for the VLA to have these teams come in and be and put such good volleyball out there. Amazingly good volleyball in the final. The level was super duper high. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I checked it out. It looked good. You sounded good. It was it was fun. It was a fun match to watch. There, uh, as I was, I was making some notes earlier today between um, and Team NV and, and Emiola, but you know, it just it just leaves me wanting a little bit more from from those those tier one teams. You know, it I hate to say it, but it just feels a little bit like the VNL with the core teams, the contender teams. <laughs> well, I mean, that's you also probably didn't watch the rest of the season when Team NV lost in the finals twice, both to tier one teams in the previous tournaments. So. Uh, tier one had themselves a good season. All, all three VLA Cup divisional tournaments won by tier one teams. So uh, three and one on the year for tier one, not bad. Like you know, is, is Team Pineapple basically Korea on the women's side out here? Team Pineapple is a shell of their <laughs> former selves, but we did see Loy Ball play. Loy Yo, Ball, I saw that. Yeah, Loy, hit the ground and Loy make a dig. That was yeah. big. Loy, Loy at age fifty-one played for Team Pineapple over the weekend, which was incredible to see. And then he and I did a commentary block on the all-day broadcast on Sunday together, which was just a blast. So it's incredible just to get to like hang out with Loy Ball on the weekends the way I do. It's really cool. Honestly, if I not if, but when I come to, because my original plan was to to come to come to this one, unfortunately, it just didn't work out uh, financially and stuff like that. But I think if if I ever come and Loy's there, I'm just gonna be like hanging off of him, you know, just be like <laughs> peppering him with questions you just would, just the entire be, time. You wouldn't be the only one. A good question yeah. in the chat is how did Nicolas Sherjan's team not go yeah, farther? It's because Sherjan didn't wasn't there until Sunday, and, oh. and so he so then like Saturday was was the the start of the gold bracket, like the round of 16 and team LVC got to the round of eight, but then lost to team NV. So they, they lost to the eventual champs um, because Sherzen wasn't there yet. And so Nico played on, on Sunday and team LVC's consolation game and they beat team pineapple, but uh, he, he just didn't quite get there in time. If he was there in time, then that like that round of eight game between LVC and team NV would have been an all timer if Sherzen had been there. Yeah, that's too bad. Was he just was he coming straight home from Europe? Pretty that much the, the case. Or uh, he, he's been in the states for a bit. I know he was uh, at the NCAA championship when Ohio State was still playing, but he's been bouncing around. Just couldn't get to Chicago before Sunday. 
have you guys thought about like making almost like two seasons like one for just the people in the states and then another one that's maybe a little bit short, shorter when these international players come back and that's pretty much what we're doing i mean the, yeah the, the, yeah the because we're not done with the season yet we've got an event oh, okay. yeah we've got an event in two weeks in california then we've got the tier two playoffs and the tier one playoffs so uh all, all the guys who are coming back are eligible for all those ah okay Good, good, good yeah, season's not I, over. Just just because the VLA Cup has thirty six teams, um, it is the biggest event. It doesn't mean it's the last event of the season. We're still going through like the first weekend of July, I think. What kind? What are we like? Is Marshman going to be playing on a team? Gasman? Oh, yeah. yeah, Marshman's Marshman's the big team LVC guy. Um, Gasman is on the VNL roster for the US, so oh, okay. uh, so probably not. But uh, you'll you'll be seeing some good names. Some of the like. As as good of a, of a roster as any of the tier one teams can field, that's what you're going to see at that championships tournament in uh, in early July. Okay, great, love love to see it, love love to hear it. Can't wait to get out and experience it. You know, the good good old VLA. Maybe one day we'll have a a Canadian team in, in there saying, too. Dude, put one in. It, it's literally an open registration division. Anybody north of the border, make a team, put it in, please. We would love to reach to reach more more of North American volleyball. We know the talent is there. Just get the organization together, email us, and we'll figure it out. Nice little Canadian team, maybe a Mexican team in there to play in sure. the California, California division. That, yeah. that, I think I think that would be dope. Yeah. Well, All right. All right, guys. Is that is that the end of this episode, Rob? Have we covered everything? I believe we have. I, be, I believe we have as well. So once again, tomorrow, game five, Trentino versus Lube, Superlega finals. Be there, watch it, join the Discord, come come be involved with that. Uh, the, the link for that is is just down below here. Um, and then Saturday, both of the Champions League finals, 11.30 Eastern time is going to be the women's match, Vakif Bank against Zasha Basha, an all-Turkey matchup. And then at 2.30 Eastern time, it is going to be the all-Polish matchup of Zaksa against Say it for me, Rob. Yeah, Shemsky. Yeah, Shemsky. <laughs> JSW. Thank you. JSW. Let's just, let's, let's I can't, just. I can't wait to hear whatever poor commentator gets put on both of those games. Uh, probably one that, that will remain nameless. There's going to be a lot of pronunciations butchered. If, 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 you, if you think that most people are willing to do the one Google search required to pronounce Yashemsky correctly and to pronounce Zajabasha correctly, you've got another thing coming. So uh, just, just, just prepare yourself for that. Prepare yourself for bad pronunciations this weekend. Absolutely. Guys, make sure to give this video a like, a nice little thumbs up. Um, let us know in the comments what you think we should talk about heading into the VLA, VLA VNL season <laughs> because it is coming up quickly. We can confirm Rob and I will be there week one in, we'll Ottawa. Be in Ottawa. Yes, um, we will be there. We're also sharing an Airbnb, so that means even more content coming your way. For all you like hardcores, you know what that means: drunk cast, <laughs> let go. At least one, maybe, maybe, oh. maybe more. Could, Maybe more. It could be more. And, and we've got people in the chat. People are saying they have not found Daddy Stankovic yet. So remember, uh, Daddy Ooh, Bassi Lassie hasn't he has even the, found him yet. Oh, that, that, he's our number one G so that's far. So. big. So uh, remember, Daddy is hidden. Better be quick about going back and finding him in case somebody else caught it. So um, put that in the comments. Put your suggestions on national team coverage in the comments. Uh, give the video a like uh, in the, before we're done here at the stream. But other than that, uh, we'll see you in the Discord for Champions League Finals. We'll see you next Tuesday, same time, same place. Peace.